Well, good morning, everyone, and happy Reformation Sunday. The Roman Catholic Church warned that if the Protestants went against the authority of the Pope, their movement would divide and dissolve into countless fractions and would soon fade away. Now, while the Protestant movement has many denominations, yet half a millennium later, the legacy of Luther, Calvin, Zwingli, Knox, Bucer, and the like continues. Yes, there are detractors. There are legalists. Liberals, prosperity, gospel preachers. And yet, this morning, the legacy of the Reformation lives on as the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached from Baptist, Lutheran, Episcopal, Methodist, non-denominational, and Presbyterian pulpits throughout the world. And this unity amongst all these denominations, is not found because we follow one earthly leader, nor because we have one denominational name, but we are unified in our belief that we are saved by the grace of God alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. So this Reformation Sunday, let us now turn our attention to the Word of God as we find it written In the book of 1 John, chapter 4, we'll be in verse 10. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is God's holy word for His people. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come to you this morning believing that the same Spirit that came on the day of Pentecost, the same Spirit that enlivened the Reformers, is the same Spirit that we have this day to come to your Word and to have the scales of our eyes taken away that we might have light shine forth in the darkness. And we pray that You would do that now through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Justification by faith alone is the central doctrine of the Reformation. Martin Luther said that it is the article by which the church stands or falls. Elsewhere, Luther says that it is the head and the cornerstone. It alone begets, nourishes, builds, preserves, and defends the church of God. And without it, the church of God cannot exist for one hour. And John Calvin says that justification is the hinge upon which everything else turns. You see, apart from being some obscure theological dogma, Justification by faith alone comes to the very heart of what it means to have a personal relationship with God. It is the biblical answer for how we might have our guilt forgiven, our lives transformed, and our eternal destiny secured. You see, every one of us 
must deal with this question posed in Psalm 130. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? The word justification means to declare not guilty. In a court of law, a judge can render one of two verdicts, can't he? He can say guilty or innocent, condemned or justified. And we all must come before the judgment seat of God. Yet if the all-knowing God were to render a verdict on our lives, who could stand? Who of you here today would be willing to base the security of your eternal life upon the righteousness of your own actions? And at the heart of the division between the papacy and the reforming movement was this question. How does God justify a life that is clearly guilty? How does a holy God give an innocent verdict to a guilty man? Now, in summary, the Roman church said that God would not declare something that was not true. And so a person cannot be justified until they are truly free of sin, right? God is not going to say something that is not true. And so a system of works were developed whereby people were absolved of their sins through confession and penance and pilgrimages and the purchase of indulgences. And if you died with guilt remaining, then you would pay the price of your sin in purgatory until through your personal suffering, sin was actually purged out of you. And then when you were truly free of sin, God would say, justify. The reformers, on the other hand, declared that our justification was not according to our personal innocence. But rather, the Bible taught that we are justified through faith in the righteousness of Christ alone. And at the moment we receive Christ, God declares that we are not guilty. We are not justified by works. We are justified by faith alone in Christ alone. The Westminster Shorter Catechism defines justification as an act of God's free grace whereby we are pardoned of all of our sin and we are accepted as righteous in God's sight only because of the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. How does a holy God give an innocent verdict to a guilty man? What the Reformation recovered for us is the saving truth that sinners are declared innocent through resting in and receiving the righteousness of Christ alone. This is our only hope of being saved. This is our only hope of being justified. Faith in Jesus Christ. On March 18th, 1539, the Senate of Geneva, Switzerland, received a letter from the Roman Catholic Cardinal James Sedalet. Just three years prior, Geneva had declared itself to be a Protestant city. Soon after, the reformer John Calvin was asked to begin preaching and leading the reformation of the church in Geneva. But by 1539, things were not going very smoothly. 
there was unrest among many of the town leaders. Calvin had been expelled from the town because he had barred an influential yet sinful citizen of Geneva from taking communion. They were looking for direction. They were lost in this movement. And then arrived Sedele's letter. In this letter, the cardinal is overflowing with praise for the people of Geneva. He says they are so great. They are so noble. They are so wise and just. And while they've gone astray for a little while, they will be welcomed back into the fold of the Roman Catholic Church. All they need to do is renounce their Protestant ways and they will be received with open arms. He also tries to soothe their conscience and says, you know, we believe in justification by faith as well. As long as you understand faith to mean our love for God. Do you see the slight change he made there? You see the little trick that he was trying to do, the deception? Come back. We believe like you. Sure, justification is by faith. As long as you understand faith to mean our love for God displayed in our works. But what we see in our passage for this morning is that justification must come by faith alone because we have not loved God. Look at your text again in 1 John. It says, In this is love. Not that we have loved God. Justification must come by faith alone because we have not loved God. This is where Sedele was so wrong. And this is where so many of us misunderstand the ways of God and the heart of man. You see, we believe that there is something within us that can recognize the loveliness and beauty of God and His ways. We believe that if we give someone the right program, that they will be able to rehabilitate their lives to the point that God will accept them. We believe that if we set up enough rituals and regulations, that we will be able to hem in sin, walk in holiness, and then be truly declared innocent by God. This was the ancient mistake of Pelagius. He argued that man had the ability to love God. And all Jesus came to do was to give us an example of how we are to do that. And if we would only obey His Word, we could live in a way that pleased God. And God would look at our life and say, This man is righteous. This man is following the example of Jesus. This man is innocent. Yet there is a reason that the church condemned the teachings of Pelagius. Because it is profoundly untrue that anyone can live a life that would be declared innocent by God. We have not loved God. None of us have. If you begin to examine your life for any period of time, you will quickly see that sin is the common theme, not love you will realize that an all-seeing God could not possibly ever look at your life and say, that man is innocent. Even if you changed your ways, even if you had the ability to stop sinning at this moment till the end of your life, you still would have to deal with all of your past sin. The Bible is quite clear on this point. All sin and fail to love God. 
there is no refuge from this reality. And this is what Martin Luther realized prior to his conversion. He wanted to love God. He wanted to make up for sin through works of penance. He wanted to work, and so he worked, and he worked, and he worked. But he was honest enough with himself to say, all of my work isn't working. I am filled with sin. I will never be declared innocent by God. He wrote later, Though I lived as a monk without reproach, I felt that I was a sinner before God with an extremely disturbed conscience. I could not believe that He was placated by my satisfaction. I couldn't believe my works were working. Then he says this, I did not love, yes, I hated the righteous God who punishes sinners. The truth is, if the way we are saved is by choosing to love God, then we are all without hope. While there might be a desire to do right, while there might be a desire to avoid eternal punishment, there is no power within fallen and sinful man to love God. We do not love God before He loves us. And therefore, we must look outside of ourselves to find salvation. We must look outside of ourselves to find saving love. And this is what it means to have faith. It means that you turn your trust from yourself to someone else. You believe that the love that will save you will come from something outside of yourself. You believe the innocent life that will receive a judgment of justified will have to be lived by someone other than you. This is why justification must come through faith alone. Because we have not loved God. Now, in a bit of historical irony, the Genevans who had expelled Calvin from their city looked to him for help in responding to this letter. The man they had thrown out was now the man to whom they turned. And so Calvin writes his reply and he says, I was amazed when I read your assertion that love is the first and chief cause of our salvation. Who can assign any other cause than that which is universally announced in Scripture? Namely, that we did not first love Him, but were spontaneously received by Him into favor and affection. Or more simply, as the Apostle John says in our text, And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us. You see, our justification must be by faith alone, because it is God who first loved us. God does not love us and save us because we first loved Him. We are not the beginning. We are not the source of love. We are not the starting point of salvation. John 3.16 does not say the world so loved God that He gave His only Son. That's the way we want to think about it. We want to think, oh, we were so good. We loved God so much, so He sent His Son to save us. No. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that He gave His Son. 
This is the truth that our Reformed forefathers rediscovered in the Word of God, that salvation is rooted in the grace of God alone. Salvation flows from God's heart of love for His people, not because they are worthy, not because they are lovely, not because they are holy, but rather because God is holy and worthy and loving. As Ephesians 1.5 tells us, It is in love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons. You see, before the creation of the world, before we did anything right or wrong, before we could sin and before we could try to make up for that sin, before we could do anything that would engender us to God, God, in love, predestined His people to receive salvation through Jesus Christ His Son. And this is why justification must be by faith alone. This is why it must be a turning from our ability to love God to God's choice to love us. Because salvation is given to us by grace alone. The grace of God to love an unlovely people. The grace of God to forgive sinful people. The grace of God to take rebels and turn them into sons and daughters. The grace of God to look at a sinner and say, that sinner is innocent. You see, if at any point we add our work to the mix, then we have misunderstood God's love for us. And we have turned grace on its head. Paul says in Romans 11, that we are chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. If you would know the salvation of our God, then you must turn from any delusion that you might have of working towards acceptance. And you must place your faith in the grace of God alone. For it is His electing calling, regenerating, justifying grace alone that saves sinners. Now this is all great. But we are still stuck with this question. How can God do that? How can God say that I am innocent when in fact I am not innocent? How can God say that we are free from sin and the guilt of sin when we keep sinning, right? This was the Catholic Church's big hang-up. They said, how can the God of truth say something that is not true? How can He look at a sinner and say He's innocent? For the Word of God tells us in Proverbs 17, He who justifies the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Sometimes we take a light view of sin and we think, well, why can't God just ignore sin? Why can't He just forgive and forget? Sweep it under the carpet? Well, maybe an example will help us to understand why. Say a meat inspector comes to our local grocery store to certify that the meat is being handled properly and that there is no health issues that would jeopardize those who buy their meat there. He gets to the store and he finds that the meat is not being stored at the proper temperature. 
He also notes that there is cross-contamination between the old meat and the new meat. He takes samples and finds several instances of salmonella and E. coli in the facility. Now, for him to be a just inspector, what does he need to do? Well, he needs to shut that place down. Because if he doesn't, people are going to get sick. People might even die. But what if the store manager begs for forgiveness? What if he says, oh, I'm so sorry. Please don't tell anybody. Should the inspector just overlook the issues? Should he say, oh, okay, that's all right. Just go on and keep doing things the way that you've done them. No. I don't think any of us wants a merciful meat inspector to come to our grocery store. Right? We want a meat inspector who is just. And when it comes to sin, our rebellion is so much worse than rancid meat. By our transgressions, we have spurned the Almighty God. We have offended the most holy being. We think sin is a small issue or that it should be judged solely on how it affects other people or how it makes us feel. But the problem of sin is not primarily about how it makes us feel or others feel. The problem of sin is that it offends the Lord God Almighty and He is absolutely just. So how can God be a just God and still forgive our sin? Well, the answer is in the last phrase of our text. If you look down again. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son To be the propitiation for our sins. The shed blood of Jesus Christ is how sinners are justified before God. This is what the word propitiation means. I know it's a big word, but sometimes we need big words to communicate big ideas. Propitiation means the absorbing or turning away of wrath. When the Lord Jesus offered himself on the cross, he did it to take on the guilt of his people. As he hung upon the cross, the word of God tells us that all the wrath of God the Father against sin was turned away and was absorbed by Jesus Christ. The just punishment for our sin was not given to us, but it was given to Jesus. And just as Jesus was given our sin and declared guilty, we were given His righteousness, His holiness, and we were declared justified. This is the great exchange of the cross as explained in 2 Corinthians. For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin, though He knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. This is why justification must be by faith alone. Because it's only in the propitiation offered by Jesus Christ that a sinner can be declared righteous. For in Jesus our sin was not forgotten. It was paid for. 
God can be just and at the same time justify the wicked because there was a guilty verdict. There was a just condemnation. But it wasn't given to us. It was given to Jesus. Therefore, God can look at a sinner and say that man is innocent. This is the gospel truth recovered at the Reformation. Sinners are not justified by their works. Rather, they are justified by placing their faith in the work of Christ on their behalf. As Calvin wrote in reply, we hold that Christ is our only righteousness. Since by His obedience, He has wiped off our transgressions. By His sacrifice, appeased the divine anger. By His blood, washed away our stains. By His cross, bore our curse. And by His death, made satisfaction for us. We maintain that in this way, man is reconciled in Christ to God the Father. By no merit of his own, but by the gracious love and mercy of God. Justification must be by faith alone. Because we did not love God, but God loved us with such a deep love that He sent His Son to die for our sins and to secure our innocent verdict. This is the reforming love of God. Five hundred years ago this Tuesday, the Protestant Reformation began. And this movement was guided by five principles. One, salvation is a gift of God's grace alone. We do nothing to earn it. Two, salvation is found in Christ alone. It's only in His sacrifice that a sinner can find forgiveness. Three, salvation is received through faith alone. Four, We can know this way of salvation through Scripture alone. And five, it is all for the glory of God alone. This is why Sadelet was so wrong. And thankfully why Geneva rejected his invitation back to the Roman Catholic Church. Because placing man's salvation in his ability to love God and not God's grace to love sinful men, steals glory from God. Listen to Calvin yet again. He says, Search through all the divine oracles which we possess. If the blood of Christ alone is uniformly set forth as purchasing satisfaction, reconciliation, and cleansing of sin, how dare you transfer so great an honor to your work? The Reformation sought to see God and God alone receive the honor and the glory and the praise that is due His name for saving sinners. If it were by anything other than the grace of God, then man would have a place to boast. This is why justification must be by faith alone so that all the honor of salvation would be to the glory of God alone. And if we who join together this day to remember the anniversary of the Reformation would see its legacy live on and expand in our day, 
then we too must bow our lives in obedience to the glory of God alone. So I ask you, have you turned from trusting your love and works? Have you turned away from what comes forth from inside of you? And have you gone to Christ alone and seen His love for you? Would you now place all your trust in the love and in the work of God the Father in Jesus Christ? For God is glorified not when we seek to make ourselves right with Him, but when we trust the reforming love of God to make us right with Him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go now to God, asking that He would apply to our hearts what we have heard this morning. Oh, Father God, we come to You this morning and we are overwhelmed by Your love for us. That before the foundations of the earth, You would set Your love upon us. And You would determine to give Your Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins that we might be declared justified. I pray this morning that Your name would be glorified as we who have been rebels would be turned and made sons and daughters through faith in Christ alone. Amen.